Hello everyone, welcome to the Nostrum Game Design Meetup Group Chat Podcast. I just really got a, like ahead of a show, say like, we're just the game design chat. I think that's what I put on our flyers and everything. That, you can even get one if you come to uh, Makerpalooza, which is next week, this weekend coming, uh, if you're listening to this when the episode goes up, uh, but will be June 16th, 17th, or 18th. I've, I've forgotten the exact date. Um, I should have checked that before. So um, I'll pull up the exact date here. But the group will be at um, Makerpalooza, which is a local uh, put on by Pellissippi State. Um, sort of like a STEM fair, like a Maker Fair type event. And the Knoxville Game Design, we're going to have a booth out there. So if you didn't come by uh, during Open Streets, you can come by then and say hi to the group and check us out. Um, and we have like a cool banner and I got handout stuff now and I have business cards. So it's all professional and it is June 18th. Um, so that is coming up. So other announcements, uh, on the group, the group beats, uh, the second Sunday of the month. We are planning on having a panel at Codestock, which is in July. So there'll be a, an, another update following this. Um, we get a little closer to that. And I'm going to try to record our panel and post that uh, as well as a podcast. The panel topic is going to be on uh, participating in game jams and just experience and tips. Some of our tales that we've done, some tips um, on that. So this month's game that we're going to be discussing in detail, we are going to front load at the front that this is a podcast that is breaking down the game design and talking about things you liked and the things we didn't. And usually you don't have much to say on the things you like, other than like, this is really good, this really works. And then the things that don't work, there's a lot of discussion on why it didn't work. So once again, we'll probably wind up with another podcast that um, goes really hard on a game that overall is a good game. This is not a review podcast. We're just sort of helping game design for ourselves and the listeners by studying other indie games that are out there. And the game this month we're going to talk about is Shovel Knight. The game next month is Franbo, F-R-A-N and the word bow. It's a 2D puzzle game, click at point adventure type game with sort of like a horror uh, bent on it. So we're trying to step away next month's game away from any kind of platforming because we've hit a bunch of action uh, games lately. So we'll, we'll vary up the genre overwhelming positive reviews on steam so i look forward to tearing that game down and being, <laughs> and appearing like we're ruthlessly mean even though we're not um so spoiler warning obviously every aspect of shovel knight is up for discussion here if you haven't played it um the great thing of a podcast is you can pause this right now and go play the game and you can even take a week or so if you need to play the whole game and come back and listen to it we'll be here for you We'll be hearing you catch up. Joining me uh, on this podcast, on uh, this game, is uh, Levi. Hello. And uh, Dylan. Hi. So, kind of the, the regular crew. We had a big meetup this month. We might get some new members um, joining the podcast next month. We'll see how it goes. And I'm Mike. But we're going to hand it over to Levi's going to... Uh, Levi drew the straws. He's going to kick us off with his take of Shovel Knight. Okay. Well, you want me to go into what actually we've been doing this month, or... Oh, yes. Yeah, Thank you for reminding me. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 Just, 
What are you doing this month playing, developing? So I got uh, a game that I really liked on the PlayStation 2 called Odin Sphere. It's probably one of my favorite games. I actually did an unboxing of my new copy of Odin Sphere. I think it's called Leaf Straster. It's like a HD remix of the original PlayStation 2. Okay, so this is a yeah. new game of a PlayStation 2? Uh, it, it's like a, an, a remix or an HD remaster, but they did add some new like gameplay elements into it. But it's it. a new release. It's a new release, You didn't yes. go on eBay and find no, a shrink-wrapped... No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. It's recent release. So I really love that game. I actually did an unboxing video that I got out there. Uh, I've been developing a new Sokoban game uh, for the Mini Ludum Dari 67. And uh, basically old-school Sokoban gameplay, if people aren't familiar with that, you basically play a guy and you push these boxes into goals. And it's kind of like a neat little puzzle game that originated in Japan. So. It means like warehouse mover. Warehouse worker. Warehouse worker or something. So my version is called Ichiban Sokoban. Okay. So the best warehouse. The best? Okay. The best warehouse worker. Dylan, what's what's your... Uh, I've been playing Overwatch. I finally got into it after the beta. It's a really good game. I did not think I would get into it as much as I have. Yeah. So Blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Does a really good job of, you know, taking it... You know, I, I, from what I remember of Team Fortress 2, it's not fundamentally different from that concept. You're playing different roles in a first-person shooter, team-based. Um, it's done a, it does a really good job of kind of bringing MOBA sensibilities into it where, uh, you know, you have like three different powers. There's one that uh, gradually charges up, you know, even though you're playing these different roles each of the characters do behave differently and, and kind of have a, a different set of mechanics. It's, it's interesting at the same time, like pumping all my time into a game. I, I know how this is going to end. It's <laughs> I'm going to burn myself out on it. Um, so does it like force you to specialize into one character or can you switch at any you time? You can switch like, Team makeup is really what matters because, and it'll give you hints. You can switch like in a match, right? You can switch, yeah. If you go back to your base, you can switch. Um, And, you know, because you've got tanks, you've got damage dealers, you've got support characters. And then even within those groupings, different sorts of mechanics. So I haven't started playing it yet. I'm probably going to get it and check it out. But from what I understand, this way you encounter pick. So if they've got a particular hero character that, yeah. that's just dominating, then you can say, well, I know the counter to that class. I'm going to go get us a counter so that we can get back in this fight. Seems yeah, really interesting. or what we're missing. Um, other than that, I've been uh, taking my last Let Them Dare game, uh, Shifty Shapes, and porting it, basically getting it ready release on Google Play. That will really happen in the next couple of weeks once I hassle people have given codes to 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 test it to actually test it and put in those codes um no i should that um you know i've implemented things like leaderboards and achievements and there's probably going to be a talk come out of this of like things you need to think about is the times i've released games like oh yeah i'll just add some stuff it'll be easy and it never is you need that check um play wise um i Played um, Bayonetta 2, and th- there's a weird disconnect. So that game, um, in my opinion, is not as good as the first Bayonetta. If, if you haven't played either and you're kind of interested, play the first Bayonetta. 
Um, this game has a definite point of content padding that you hit that is very clear. It's, it's, it's like there's no content in an entire chapter. And it's, it's fight a boss you've already fought, new chapter. Fight a boss you've already fought, new chapter. And, uh, you know, the, the original game, there were always levels. And then you had a boss at the end. And there's that in the beginning and towards the end. But you hit this chunk in the middle where it was padded. And it's weird. And I don't quite, I haven't quite come to an opinion exactly why. But the reviews on this game are 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10. And I'm not making that up. Like, those are the actual scores this game got. And how I don't understand it because it's like, did you play this game? Because the, the content cut is clear. Like, this game came out, it was a Wii U exclusive. Um, it doesn't hold up compared to the first Bandana. The, the story and some of the story beats are exactly the same as the first Bandana. Like, it opens the same. Oh, we're fighting on top of a jet through a city. Like, this is the same thing, you know? And... It's not terrible. It's just, um, I don't know. It, it, I haven't figured out that yet. Okay? Yeah, I have Bayonetta too, and I've finished like the first three or four chapters, but I agree. It isn't as great as the first Bayonetta, which I really love playing on the PlayStation 2. But if I remember correctly, the Wii U version, I guess that's the only version of Bayonetta 2, it comes with Bayonetta 1 bundled in. So You have to look for that now. Oh, okay. So it's been re-released. The version out now is just Bayonetta 2. Mm. So the one I bought doesn't come with the first Bayonetta. Mm. You don't get both of them anymore. Um, I don't know if that was a DLC code pack-in or just a time It's actually a disc, I believe. It's a disc? Okay. But Um, I didn't know if I just liked the original Bayonetta because it was so different. I've never seen anything like this over the top. You play witch, it's killing angels. It's totally something I've never seen before. And I was just wondering if it's just because it was more of the same why I didn't like Bayonetta 2 I mean, much. and when I say, like, the same, I mean the same. Yeah. Like, this content asset was in the first game. Yeah. Like, this is the same enemy type, you know? Um, and there's not a lot of new content. It, it definitely can feel that. And it's not the main problem I have discovering the thing. It's like, after I played it, I went to go reread all the writings that came out when it came out, just sort of like, now that I participated in it, let me sort of feel what the community was saying about it. And then I was just like, I don't understand these reviews that are giving it perfect marks. Like It's I said, not a bad game. Not, but it's not, not four out of five, but five out of five, this is a perfect game marks. And, you know, like so many games that are like really close, they don't get that. They get like the 4.5. Like, oh, so it's just one thing. And it's like this, I don't know, it's glaring. I have a, a theory that's, that's wildly untested or unsubstantiated, but this is just coincidental. So, like, I can't put a lot of stock into my own theory here, but the initial reaction I had was it released at the height of August in Gamergate. It was like when Bandetta 2 shipped. And I don't think of it as, did all of these review guys collude and, like, all that? Like, that's a conspiracy Usually there's a simple answer that just looks like a conspiracy, but it's actually like, no, there's a default option, and everybody just took the default, and it looks the same. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if, like, when it was really bad, okay, and then Bayonetta 2 released, if you were a game reviewer, and you give Bayonetta 2 a 4.5 out of 5, like, this this massive Gamergate thing is going to be all on your Twitter, your mentions, your social, attacking you for everything. It's unrealistic. So you can either review this game and give it what you think it is, you know, or put a 5.5 on it and not deal with it and move on with your life. You know what I mean? Like, okay, 
If I give a 5.5 out of this, then nobody's going to attack me for being evil and conspiratorial. Because and the main character is a female. Because the main character is a female, yeah. but it's, um, Bayonetta is camp, right? So it's a lot of, um, sexual innuendo joke and, and all of that. And so there's an argument to say, yes, it's sexist and I'll agree, but there's also an argument to say that it's camp and it's not in the same, it's, it's not necessarily disempowerment sexism, right? So it's poking fun and it is aware and there's a nuanced conversation to have there, okay? Yeah. But it's not firmly on one camp or the other. Um, but I could see that... If you're the one guy who asked those questions, though, you, do you want to be the person that asks that questions that particular that month? Or yeah. do you just want to go, no one cares. No one actually cares about review scores unless they want to start a, you know, an internet argument. So maybe that's kind of what happened. Because even the Polygon review, so the Polygon review is the only one I found, and it gave it a 7.5 out of 10. And the focus of the review, normally I'll defend a review the other way, but the focus of this review is the sexism. And it's detracting yeah. from the game. And normally when people say that, I'll go read the review and be like, no, that was two sentences. You, you missed 80% of the article. You're, you're highlighting and selecting. Yeah. But in this case, no, that is the focus of the review. That's fine for the reviewer. That's fair. That's what your review is. If, it, if that affected your enjoyment of the game, I want to know that because when I played uh, Bioshock Infinite, the racial tensions of that game made me put the, 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 the setup that they had in, of, of the racism and stuff like that. It made me stop playing it. Me too. I got in, played like the first like hour or two. I was like, okay, I don't even want to have to. I, I don't want. I don't deal with feel this. like you earned the statement you're trying to make. You're like trying a- to be bold and edgy, but you haven't earned that bold and the edginess. Yeah. And I'm out. And I would like if there's somebody who wrote a review who just said they didn't earn this, and I was out. And like yeah. that to be my review. If I was giving you my honest review, I wouldn't like ignore that and talk about the mechanic of the grapple hook or something like that. It's like, that's not being honest. I would, I'd rather you be honest and just say, I had a real problem with this, couldn't play the game. And now I feel like when I've read your review, I have your context to read your review in. I can go read another review if I want to read the grapple hook mechanic, right? So I get that. That's fine. That's fair. My problem was even on the Polygon review is Bayonetta 2 gets into some sexual weird innuendo jokes going on between her and her mother. And then, like, with her mother as a character. Okay. And then, like, with her and her father. And it's just like, how did these incest jokes get to a Nintendo platform? Apparently I haven't made it that far yet. It's toward the end. (laughs) Okay. And also, Polygon... Why didn't you? Why didn't that? you call that like, out? Did anyone finish this game? This is not just run of the mill sexism. This is like you know. Yeah, this is like weird, wow. Like come on, guys. This yeah. isn't just like the camera looks at her boobs and her butt a lot. Okay. Yeah. There's like a subtext going on here. I don't want to parse right now, and I don't think they did either. Hey, hey, that means it's different than the first one. So, so you know, it goes against <laughs> your, your initial statement. <laughs> they added something. The good thing I'll say about it. You didn't want it. it. <coughs> you didn't ask for it. No one asked for it. <laughs> no, it actually doesn't. Because the good thing I'll say about Bandetta 2, if you like the first one, the story, which unfortunately is told in the first five minutes and the last five minutes of the entire game, ties in really well and actually recontextualizes the entire first game. They're linked. And they're linked in a really cool way that you have a moment and you're like, oh, this didn't 
this happened this way. And, and it's actually kind of cool because I didn't expect that out of Bayonetta because when I played Bayonetta 1 um, and I brought a friend in to play it, John, um, it was for the spectacle. It was like, this game is, is angels on motors or no, uh, a- witches on motorcycles riding over angels on a jet. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. And it, it pays off. It goes into throwing galaxies at each other, you know? The second one, it's just, it's hard to follow that. You for know, the final fight. There might actually be a less controversial reason for that. I mean, it may just be if you look at the story of this, it wasn't going to get published until Nintendo picked it up. So it may be like, hey, you know, Nintendo it, saved this franchise. It feels like it Nintendo picked it up to put a mature game on their platform yeah but i mean that may be a reason um, that may factor into a reviewer but they didn't budget what this team would have wanted for a sequel what yeah, team angel I, would have wanted for a sequel budget they didn't get that so it's like you can make your game you can make two it's going to come out but that's what i'm talking about like the field of budget cut it's not like the team i think did a bad job i think they did a good job but they had a limited time schedule a limited budget and yet still had to hit a magic number of hours because it's a AAA game. Right. And it's, it's like, this would have been a great $15, down, $15 downloadable title, but that wouldn't have served the purpose Nintendo one. Yeah, but what I mean is, like, reviewers might be granting points for that, for, for support, for what it means, as opposed to the content. That's I, less conspiratorial yeah, I, than... I, I don't think it's conspiracy. Avoiding. I don't think it's conspiracy. But it's just weird that they're perfect scores. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't remember this being heavy in anyone's Game of the Year conversation. Like, I don't remember at the end of the year, Bandenda, you know, too, which came out 2015. Um, I don't remember in the Game of the Year conversation, because I was listening to all those podcasts, that this was like the fight for the Game of the Year. And it's like, perfect score. It should have. So, like, I do feel like it's not a conspiracy, but that score got inflated for reasons. Yeah. I, and again, my, my theory is weak. I'm, I say, I'm like, this is just a good. So the other game uh, I started playing is Shadow of the Colossus, because I've never played that game. Um, it's supposedly a landmark game. Everyone who ever played it back in the day, just, oh my God, this game's amazing. I can't believe you're playing it. It doesn't hold up well, I'll tell you that. Um, I can appreciate this game through the lens of what it was doing for the time it was doing it in. Like, I know what the state of boss battles being epic and, like, the animations and everything like that, how that was new, where now it's just standard. Everybody does these things. But this is the game that, like, proved that was a game. You know, you could do this with a game. So I can appreciate it in that sense. Um, I haven't finished it yet, so I understand there's some awesome plot twist thing going on, which I haven't finished it. I've done. I've taken down, like, 12 Colossi at this point. I think there's, like, 14, 15. Um, there's been no plot to mention, so the fact people keep like, oh, wait for that story ending. I'm like, what, what story? The game is literally, go take down the Colossus. There's no levels. There's just boss fights. It's just a boss rush. The entire game is a boss rush. Yeah, I've never played Shadow of the Colossus, but I did play Eco or Ico, yes, which was supposed to be that. like the predecessor. Mm-hmm. Or, and it was the same way. I mean, it's really plain. You lead the girl around by her hand, and you solve puzzles and everything. But I never really understood where this game was going. I never actually finished it. But um, I, I finished it, um, but I can't say too much more than what you did to it. But it had an appreciation for, you go back in the time when the game came out, a non-combat, three, you know, like this wasn't 
like the games that were being made. This was like, oh, wow, wait a minute, we could do these other things. And then, look, there's probably some line, some lineage you can draw that starts and then it's like these games and like Ico is down here and then gets to Portal. You know, like this is like an evolutionary step that happened and you can appreciate it for that. I wanted to play it though because um, The Last Guardian um, has been announced at last E3. I think it's coming out this year. And so that's the third game by the studio. And apparently it's had a very tumultuous development cycle. And it's like, I want to be a part of the conversation. I'm going to play it when it comes out so I can be part of like the conversation because it's a big part of games and that. I mean, I also got every achievement in Dark Souls 3. So, but I don't think that's worth mentioning. We should get into, uh, oh, code-wise, yeah. uh, I'm still fighting to get my original Unity game that I ever made, made back in version, version 3, running in Unity 5. That's, that's an ongoing battle. Okay. Okay, uh, so Shovel Knight. Uh, so I played it, uh, did complete like the first uh, main game part of it. Uh, didn't finish like the Plague Knight add-on game, which I think was just like a, uh, rehashing kind of like in Zelda you can have the main quest and then after you beat that you can play like the levels remix as a different character but yeah it took me about five hours to complete the game I thought it was going to be more like Mega Man than it was uh, I guess maybe that was just my misconception or the night characters in Mega Man Blue I don't know but there was some influences from Mega Man like some of the enemies that I saw, like there's like this griffin in one of the very first stages and this pattern that he shoots in is exactly is it, the same yes. as the dog and the woodman stage. So I was like, okay, that's kind of like a throwback and I thought it was good. And also when you move between the rooms, it has that kind of pause, freezes you in air while it transitions you over to the next room, the uh, room panning there. Um, I noticed that some of the special magic items, it seemed more like it was Castlevania. You actually had to like hold up and press the attack yeah. button. And I was like, okay, we have enough buttons on our controllers now. I didn't know if that was a design decision that they just want to stay true to like a real NES well, game. Well, I made that note too, because they allowed you to change spells with the bumpers. Yeah. So they already broke the just D-pad and two buttons convention. Yeah. And they could kept up and uh, you know X to use an item, yeah. but give me another button just to cast that spell because it was annoying, especially when there were things that you had to do in air. Yeah. While casting spells, so you're trying to control your air movement using the D-pad, but then you also use the D-pad to cast the spells. So. I found myself actually activating spells occasionally that I didn't mean. If you pushed both bu- bumpers oh, yeah. at once, you yeah. could clear the spell. Huh. Which, to me, is like a sign that, hey, guys, maybe you should rethink your controls. Yeah. If you put the no spell selected so I don't accidentally cast feature in. Yeah. Um, I found some games uh, really frustrating. Uh, I kind of felt like they took like the worst parts of a lot of old NES games or the frustrating, <laughs> I won't say worse, the frustrating parts of a lot of NES games. Uh, there's one level where it's like the lights are completely out and you can't see the enemies. Yeah. The only time you can see anything is when the lightning flashes for like a split second. And then you got like five, ten seconds of not doing anything until the lightning flashes yeah, again. Yeah, and um, so I don't have to repeat it. Not only did they do that in that stage, in that scene with the lights out, they introduce false floors. Yeah. So you see the light flash. There's a bridge here. No, it's a false floor. Ha ha. And it's like, we hadn't even had false floors at this point. And now you're introducing them with the lights out. And 
I might have noted that later on. I'm not sure if it's the same spot, but in like the very final castle or the area leading up to that, there's a light lights out part. And there are the false floors, but it's like raining in the background, and you can actually tell which ones. You can ones. actually tell, yeah, that's a cool thing. Yeah, by how the rain is splattering up on the real one. So I thought that was probably the most best puzzle out of the whole game that I played. But yeah, with the original first Lights Out stage, I remember like they did something similar in the original Bionic Commando for for the NES, and you could try to just like force your way through it with the lights out, but you're probably going to die. But later on, they did give you a weapon that or an item that you could use to actually turn the lights on. So I thought something like that could have worked well in Shovel Knight. It's like, okay, if you really want to play it hard, you can, yeah. but give me an item to make it a little bit easier. Uh, I did notice a lot of influences from Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link. Uh, the downward stab with your yes. shovel. That's more like uh, Adventures of Link than I thought it was going to be like the pogo stick in DuckTales. Because uh, if in DuckTales, if you hold down, then you continually pogo. My um, my note, um, since you brought them up both up, is basically that this is Zelda 2 combat in Mega Man level design. Yeah. And to me, that, that explains a lot of these disconnect of like, the, the level design is inspecting Mega Man, but my attack is is Zelda, yeah. Two. I want to say that the timing. I may be thinking of a different game actually. The timing of the downward attack was slightly different than it was in Zelda Two. I think that messed with me early on, just because that's burned into my head. There was. Like I played that. That was my first. There Zelda is a game. delay on all of the attacks that did not feel NES era to me because NES era was all instant response attacks yeah. and these all have wind-ups which that took me a bit to get used to because it's like I expected like as soon as I hit the button I'm swinging the shovel and it's like no no, no I gotta wait for him to wind up and time this attack if you go back to like Castlevania 2 or Zelda 2 there is Zelda 2 has very little wind-up but I remember the whip on Castlevania 2 having lot more wind up. Yeah, it's not love so, for that reason. That's one of the Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying I'm just yeah. yeah, like it's it's not unheard of during that. Yeah, so I, I thought it was okay. I, I did like how you could continually pogo stick on enemies and there was like an ability later where if you do that twice then you get a power up. So I thought that was neat. The other Zelda two influences the town seemed very similar to Zelda two and the health and magic system where you actually have magic points that you can upgrade that was also very similar. Uh, the dancing girl in the first town reminded me of Final Fantasy IV, how you just can't, like, skip it. It's like, if you talk to this <laughs> one person, you're, like, watching this 30-second dance, and I was like... There was actually... I thought there was one of those in uh, Final Fantasy... I may be thinking... Never mind. Yeah. One I of those games. That was a great further. sequence. I loved it. But, yeah, the instance I went, like, okay, do you have anything new to talk to me? <laughs> no? Oh, I'm gonna watch this for 30 seconds. Okay. I did like the hidden items if you're in the town and you hit the little sign that's hanging down uh, on you the first. You get some health and you get magic. health and stuff. So I, yeah. I, I thought that was really. There's neat. also um, underneath, um, above the frog's head, that was a breakable wall. Oh, and you could be. find one of the music sheets there. Oh, did. Yeah, very Zelda two esque with like hidden stuff even in the town. Yeah, uh, I didn't understand what the deal was with the animal heads. It's like some. People are humans. Some people are animals. Uh, I, yeah, I think it was just the setting, just the land. Yeah. It's like yeah. there, there, there's anthropomorphized animals. It's like this uh, horse head person in a dress. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm not asking. 
Uh, at first, when I started playing, I thought the bosses were they took too much, too many hits to defeat. Maybe that was similar to Mega Man, but I think I made a note a little bit later. Uh, it, as far as I can tell, the bosses didn't have weaknesses. They could have or could, but uh, I know I never found like a magic weapon weakness particular no. to a boss. Um, since we're here, the bosses though were all cheesable. Like I, I realized um a number of them you could get into a sequence where you're bouncing on their head and be bouncing on their head because they're they're in their animation loop yeah. and do a ton of damage and then also uh once you got the green ricochet attack uh -oh. those do damage the first time they hit and the time they ricochet back so you just throw a couple of those in a boss in a corner and he takes four hits of damage off of those things oh, okay. uh, and maybe even more if he hits them again uh, while moving around so there wasn't specifically weaknesses, but through those two combinations of attacks, I took them down like Mega Man bosses up like, okay, well, this fight was over in 30 seconds. There were also some, I, I think there was like the, the punch glove that, mm -hmm. you know. I don't think I ever used that as a combat thing. I want to say I, we took down like one or two bosses with that. It did seem like there was a case of like figure out what their movement pattern is and then figure out yeah. the yeah. weapon best matches that um yeah so uh i found some of the secret areas in the game i think is earlier on in the game you're supposed to like get lined up in the, in the wall you could see there was an outline of shovel knight there and i was like okay this looks like a secret i press up it doesn't work but you have to like get pixel perfect yes okay aligned yeah. with I that you're talking about yeah then you could go yeah. around then you get like a special item on the other you got to meet the vendor or whatever on the other side so i thought that was just a little bit uh unforgiving right there um, we talked a little bit about this with Axiom Verge, but the, I call them the note notes, the little notes with the notes on them, uh, that just seemed to be thrown in as an extra collectible. I didn't know if there was any point to that at all, but at least they didn't like tie it to your health or something where, oh, you got to collect five out of 10 of these. To yeah. And you're never in a critical gold. path. Like you didn't have to get them. Yeah. I thought they were a really way, a really nice way to do a collectible because there was something you can go after that has no other purpose other than to collect it, but then you could turn it back into the bard, get 500 gold um, for finding one of those and turning it back yes. in, and then you could play the soundtrack exactly. in the town. Um, and he had a little line of dialogue for each um, piece written. So it was like, it was more meaningful than most collect. Like a lot better than like Assassin's Creed Feathers or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the world map reminded me a lot of Super Mario 3. It even had like a little Hammer Brother character. So if you accidentally bumped into him, then it took you to this yeah, other so now level. I got my other, my other bullet point <laughs> is this is Mario style, Mario 3 style maps with Zelda 2 style towns. Yeah. Uh, my only complaint was it's hard for me to determine what was an actual level. I mean, the cities were actually looked like cities, but sometimes I'd go to an area. I think the bonus stages had like little crystals or something on yeah. them. So, yeah. I, could, so yeah. I kind of knew those were optional. But I some, think they are, yeah. But I wish they just had like something that signified the actual levels, the critical path of the game, which they may have. But uh, I think you're, uh, if you look closely, it was color coded. Oh, okay. So like you would see the lock icons, you can't go any further. Yeah. And they would be like green, red, and yellow. And then uh, there, was, there was a green, red, and yellow stage. Um, it was never, I don't think it was ever explicitly called out, but if you paid attention, like if you beat the green stage, the green lock disappeared. Oh, I didn't notice that. Because I noticed I would go to some areas and I wouldn't know if it's like an actual level or not, but it'd just be like an empty area. So I'm like, 
um, I guess I'm supposed to use like a special item here that I don't have yet. I think it's like a fishing area or something, mm -hmm. or one of the stages you actually have to have like the, uh, I forget what it's called, but you stick your sword out and you kind of fly through the air. So you actually had to have that before. Yeah, that's a block punch, I think. Yeah. yeah so, so uh, yeah, I wish I just had some way to signify whether or not that those were completable at the time. Uh, I did like the save uh, mechanics of the game. Uh, I thought I read an article that you could actually destroy the save uh, you checkpoints. I accidentally did that one time. I couldn't figure out how to do that. Uh, you get a bunch NPC of gold. NPC will tell you that, too, if you talk to them, okay. that you can get gold out of the checkpoints by destroying them, but they no longer become a checkpoint. Yeah, I think you have to bounce on them or something. Oh, okay. It was. I I remember hitting it a couple times and seeing it crack a little bit and going, okay, what's this? And, okay, I'll just try it. Mm. Yeah, well, I thought it was just nice to add that in for risk and reward. It's like, okay, I can just bypass this yeah. checkpoint if I think I'm that great and get a little bit of a bonus for doing that. My biggest complaint in the game is I think they should have had a bank for storing gold. So if you, like, defeat a level and you have, like, 8,000 gold or jewels or whatever, and you want to save up for, like, the next best upgrade, well, you can't do that. If you go on to the next stage and you die, then you're going to have to like try to collect your gold back. And yeah. a lot of times when you die on the spikes, you can't collect those little floating gold pouches because yeah, they're, they're in the spikes. Yes. <laughs> that, that was an annoying thing. I said, one of my notes is that a lot of times that the, those pouches would be floating in players. I can't get them back. Yeah. Um, I think as the game went on, I just like, okay, forget it. I'm I not even stopped try. caring about the gold. And yes. when I wanted an upgrade, I grinded level one. I did the same. Yeah, so, yeah, and sometimes I was just like, just zero out my goal. I'm sick of seeing little flying pouches. I don't care anymore. Just get it out of my way. Uh, so it kind of felt like I was forced to spend all my money uh, every time that I completed the level, uh, which was maybe a design decision. We don't want people saving up all their gold. We want the player to spend it all as they get it. Um, and as you mentioned, yeah, I did replay the first level three or four times. If I if there was like a magic upgrade that cost 6,000 gold, then if I was like at 5,000 right. gold, just play the first one. But the unfortunate thing is I wish I could just like play through half of the first stage and just exit. And I did try that. Nope. No, I did that too. It resets. You lose everything that annoyed me because there's a townsfolk that says like, go back and replay the levels and get the stuff you missed. And it's like, okay, I know I, I got to a point and I was like, all right, there's a wall here and a collectible crossed a field of spikes and I have too much gold right now and I don't care. I'll come back and get the, the note. And so I went to that level and I was irritated. There was no select your checkpoint to start from. There should have been that. Um, and I went to, got to that point, got the item and I'm like, all right, I'm out. Not only did I not keep my gold, I can keep the item. So I had to go through and you have to beat the boss. Because I remember in Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo, it's like, okay, if I just need a power-up or something, the first time you play through a level in Super Mario World, you got to play all the way through. But every time after that, if you replay a level, you can just yeah. go, get what you need, press start and select, and you go get back out. out yeah. and you keep everything that you have. But I think it also worked the opposite way. So if you go into a level that you played and you actually died many times and you lost a lot of gold, you could actually quit and get all your gold back, which I thought didn't seem right. Didn't seem right, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was thinking about some phys philosophical things here. It's like I noticed there's a lot of like killing people in this game and then gathering different things. I was wondering if that's like 
hardwired into us as humans because like long time ago we were hunters and gatherers i don't know if like that's an evolution i don't know if it's hardwired into us humans, or if it's, it's like hardwired into like game design tropes that yeah. nobody really is questioning or thinking about and doing um i got a lot to get into when we get in there on philosophical thoughts of this yeah, game that's my one philosophical okay. thought well this next one is a little bit but i remember one time at one of our uh, meetings we were talking about the monomyth i think they actually did a podcast on uh, extra credits or something about it recently which refreshed it in my mind but my character really didn't seem like he evolved by the end of the game he was the same shovel knight i guess yeah, he did just What's this dude's motivation? Yeah, well, you know? it's to rescue Shield Knight, right? Kind of, that's what they said, but, like, all right, Todd just got it at the end, but um, <laughs> in, in my notes, like, there's a thing of, like, I'll never leave you, yeah. and I just wrote down as soon as it said that. Except for that time, I totally just left you and became a farmer, because why? Yeah. And now I'm going to go get you now, because why? Like... Why did you abandon Shield Knight? And then why is now the moment that you've decided, oh, I'm not going to be the farmer and take up the shovel again? Yeah. I got the... Maybe I forgot this. Just to refresh my memory, like... He doesn't just immediately, oh, she's been captured, I'm going to go save her. He becomes a farmer and then yeah, decides... Yeah. Was it's, that in the okay, beginning? Like I, a farmer, but he's basically like living that? on his own. They're showing him on like a farm and everything. But yeah, like it shows off. And it's like, there was Shovel Knight and Shield Knight, and they were the best of the knights and never inseparable and blah, blah, blah. And then Shield Knight got cursed, and then Shovel Knight was left alone, and he's a farmer and doing the little farm thing on his And it's like, just wouldn't come at the end and be like, I'll never leave you. You totally left her. The start of the game, you left her. Have you guys ever watched a romantic comedy? Like, this is how this works. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. People it, do blatantly backwards things, but we accept say, it because it's I'm a story. I'm not going to leave you again. And I'd be like, okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, but again, like, people in but these yeah, stories his motivation are not, is, you know, they're not intelligent, rational human there's beings. There's nothing to graft they're on to Shield Knight is a more interesting character than Shovel Knight, okay? And you get, like, a handful of instances of dialogue or something from her, and I'm like, she is way more of an interesting character like, than your protagonist. I'm sorry, Levi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I really wasn't thinking from a story perspective. I was thinking more of, like, a, at a game mechanic perspective. Uh, there was a few power-ups in the second level or uh, that actually made you stronger. I remember like when we were talking about Axiom Verge, this is one of your like pet peeves in games. There was like a power-up uh, if you're at full health and you actually shoot a little mm -hmm. spark or whatever. So I guess in that way you get a little bit stronger and I think you, you get the one thing if you pogo twice, you get a stronger hit, but that's it. It's like, you do have the additional items or the power-ups that you get, and I had another note about that. Did you so, find any of the armors useful? Because every no. armor had a trade-off I wasn't willing to give. I do I just remember looking at thousand gold on the shiny armor. There's like that. one that wasn't anything. It's yeah. just like, yeah. oh, you got gold armor. And there's actually a line in it from um, whichever knight is in like the the riches knight or the treasure knight or whatever King his name knight. is yeah. at the final boss rush, like after the boss rush. Um, there's a scene where you can talk to each one of them before mm -hmm. going on uh, to go save Shield Knight. And then he actually comments on, like, I really like your armor. And <laughs> I don't think he would have done that if I hadn't, like, paid the 8,000 gold for the armor. So. Yeah. 
Um, well, but that's a crappy upgrade. That's a cool little anecdote, but yeah. there was nothing to spend the money on that was worthwhile. Yeah, that's like one of those things you put off till the end. I got so much money, I don't know what to do with, so I'll spend it on the 8,000 gold armor there. Uh, your attack never gets stronger. You do increase in health, and your magic does increase. But I really didn't like how those were presented, Jessica. Oh, you just go to the town and say, hey, I want to buy the next. There wasn't like any exploration or anything required to increase your magic or your health. The health started becoming a ticket you got at the end of a level. That yeah. seemed like it's kind of pointless. You talk to the first guy, you get a ticket, then you take it to the second guy. And you did that every but time. But then he runs out of tickets. And then you get yeah. tickets after the dream sequence sometimes. Oh, I didn't know To that. get the advanced, uh, to get more health uh, beyond that first one. But the magic, you just keep giving your money, get more magic. Yeah, yeah I mean, I kind of got the impression that it was a an issue of basically experience, but not experience. We're not calling it that. Yeah. But over the whole course of the game, I don't feel that these new abilities or anything like unlocked anything. Um, yeah, they were all like marginal upgrades when you got an item. I like, ever oh, used that'll be interesting. The charge hit. Like his shovel was slow enough as it was, and the range is next to nothing. Oh yeah. That I ever had time to like charge up a hit on somebody. Well, the the you when you say the charge, you mean the glove, or do you mean like holding it down? Yeah, you, you there's okay. a power up that allows you to hold it down and I then get a stronger hit at some point. Um. Um, so this may have been an issue with my play style, but like halfway through the game or in the later half of the game, I didn't know in the first town you could walk down the, uh, well, I knew you could walk down the ladder and there's like those people there. Then there's like a scribe where you can play many games in the other room. But if you go right, there's like the salesman there that, oh, yeah. that sells you all the items. So I didn't find that out until like, half- oh, yes, wow. because as you beat enemies, he essentially it's Mega Man up. Yeah. But yeah. So I had like seven items thrown at me at the same time. It's like, okay, I don't know what these do. Or, I mean, by the Fortunately, not a lot of useful ones in that bunch. Like, there's one that makes you invisible for a little while and things like that. That was. If you did the optional stages with the jewels, that really kind of teaches you to use them. Yeah. It felt like the optional levels were all designed around a particular power up. They were. And yeah. that power-up is not useful outside that additional stage. We got actually tons of use out of the like the phase power-up. I just threw fireballs and green balls at things, and that was it. Um, yeah, so I just wish they would have tied those items to a specific boss. And I thought that would have better instead they're of just having the cells. No, they're tied to the level, because in every one of those levels... You can find the merchant hidden. Oh, I did that like the first and time. And then he has the item. If you don't buy I it from him, I did not know that. Yes. But I know you can always go back to him in the I town think if and you buy beat the later. boss and you didn't find him in the level, I think then the item appears. It was not wow. clear to me. It was actually one of my notes because I was like, what if I don't find the, the hidden merchant? Do I still get the item? And it seemed like I, I did. I don't know that we... No, we found him a couple times, but I never put the two things together. I just noticed like, wait a minute, he keeps having these items when we go back to town. Oh, wait a minute. These items sound vaguely like the knights that we fought. Yeah, yeah, I wish they were because the theme, the levels were themed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I might have a note about this later, but I kind of wish 
I don't know, it had like the classic Mega Man. You got to actually pick the boss that you wanted to fight because I really didn't make yeah. the connection between the, the night boss and the theme of the level until... Not only could you not pick the, the boss for like the levels Mega Man style, you couldn't pick the order in the boss rush. Yeah. And I found that annoying because um, just sometimes it sucked trying to get through that just because of the order I got Yeah. of like, oh man, I got the two guys I want to save my magic for first. Yeah. Rather than all the guys I could take down easy and be like, okay, I got through them, so now I feel comfortable using some magic. Because um, they didn't, they refilled your health a lot, um, yeah. but they didn't give you a lot of magic between. Yeah, they could have made it where you just like talk to whoever you want to fight and it didn't like yeah. complete until you finished all the bosses. Um, one thing that I would have liked, it would have been nice if there were usable health items. I mean, I don't know if that would have imbalance the game but there were if there you is, get yeah. the cops oh, you can take them to the trouble king and oh. he will and you, fill and, them with and you get a dance sequence you can't skip oh, no. it's only <laughs> the first it. time it's, and i'm so glad it's only the it's first only time the, you can ask him to do it again though why would you why would you ever do that maybe you get bored and and you're just like <laughs> i'm i'm sick of this game and i'm gonna sit here and <laughs> dance for me no, I mean, fish, I, dance I, i'm joking it is clever but it is a cute i mean by the me, is like my my them. approach is like I, yeah yeah but yeah so he could give you um two i think you can get two of the goblets i think so yeah um and he give you icor um uh and tells you that it's pronounced icor and like he it, like gives you it's like it's i c h o r and then, like, the fish is like, that's pronounced E-Y-E-C-O-R, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I totally um, missed that part of the game. Um, to go back to my statement about taking, like, the most frustrating parts out of the old NES games, the pushy, blowy leaves were really annoying. I think this was, like, on Propeller Night stage. Uh, they did this in uh, Ninja Gaiden 2 with like the rain and it would like occasionally go down and then it would go to the left and to the right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And it pushes you into like the instant death spikes. It's like two things that I hated from old NES games. They put them together. It was like, why are they doing this? So, uh, I thought they, I thought they did it reasonably well in Ninja Gaiden two for the NES here. It was just blatantly annoying how it pushed you into the spikes all the time. Um, uh, as we talked about, I really didn't notice any weaknesses for the bosses, although some items may have helped a little bit. Got the money back at the end of the level. Uh, oh, so I wanted to mention the one boss that I really liked. And this is like one of those things I wasn't sure if this was on the critical path to complete the game or not. But uh, there's one area you go into, and it's like, oh, if you give me 10,000 gold, then you get to go to the, the Hall, Hall of Heroes. Champion. Yeah, Hall, Hall of Heroes. Champion, yes. and, I like that area, too. And, I thought the whole area had cool. a good theme, a good mechanic with it. Um, I did not, since we brought it up, I did not like the Kickstarter jokes that they were making. I didn't even notice that. Um, yeah, so the thing is, is like... Um, if you come back out and you talk to the the woman that you sold the ticket or the guy that sold the ticket or whatever, it's just like, oh yeah, it was a it was a mess in there, you know. And I guess you know maybe you should have known that before you spent your ten thousand uh, thing on that. But you know, hey, you, maybe you should look into things before you back them or something like that. And it felt in really poor taste because this is a successful Kickstarter game, yeah. and yeah. also uh, the game has made a lot of content exclusive deals. Um, that the Kickstarter backers didn't get. 
So like on Wii U, there's a co-op mode where you can play with Shield Knight. This exists only on Wii U. No other platform gets that. And there's arguments to be made on both sides, but I can see a justification in a lot of bitter Kickstarter backers of, you know, we backed a Kickstarter, and even if we have a Wii U, we don't get a code that gives us this content you're creating. And it wasn't just a Wii U. There was a lot of little... Um, platforms got this or that or an extra character or, or something um, that happened. Uh, so I felt that's real. Now, obviously, they did one after the other. But in, in hindsight now, of like where they're at with their Kickstarters and their Kickstarter page is a little bit upset with these things. It feels really bad taste for you to mock somebody and say, you should know what yeah. you're backing before you get it. You know, and I'm like, I not, didn't even make They didn't connection. intend it that way, but. You know, in hindsight, it's still mocking people who back Kickstarters. It's still punching the wrong direction. Um, Yeah, so I really like that area. Like, you got the little balls, and I didn't realize it at first. I stuck for a little while. Then it's like, oh, yeah, you got to kill all the ghosts in Mm -hmm. each of the rooms to light up all the lights or the pictures or whatever. And I thought, like, I think the boss was called the Big Creep. It's like a giant ghost at the end, and you had to, like, knock up the balls, light balls, and then every time you hit it, then it like shot little light rays like in four different directions, I believe, and that's yeah. what you used to. Did you take them out? It was an interesting mechanic. That was play. A- and um, now I tried to look at the paintings. I think all the paintings are supposed to be other indie developers. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, and there is in one of the rooms there is an alphabet key, so the symbols under there they can they can just share through that. So then I went and I found one that was obviously notch marcus pearson and like his symbols became mp Uh, and then so i was like okay so i guess that's what they're that that's their hall of champions Uh, now some of them like you know that was uh notch but i'm sure some of those would have been nes era developers or something they had a lot of paintings and they were all different so yeah uh so yeah i really liked that boss fight uh yeah another boss fight that i really liked was the mole knight but still like similar to all the other ones is like you that was my favorite fight like that had a lot of charm and like halfway through the beginning of that fight like something's up here because this is going way too easy to dodge him and knock him out i'm not using any spells on him we're just gonna take him out with the ship oh yeah here we go he's got his giant um Spiral machine of death. He's the knight. Oh, you're thinking around. the Tinker or Knight? Oh, that's Tinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the mold that's where it. he just came back and that's forth. That's when you dig. If you can dig him up, you can stop his next yeah, attack. That was clever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, played through the game. Then after you complete the game, there's a second quest where you play as Plague Knight, and I was really surprised that it actually had a different intro sequence and everything. The levels seem to be the same, just remixed a little bit. I think it's free DLC, so I don't think that shipped with the original game. I think that was a content update that they did, and then everybody got. Oh, okay, because I think I played the Steam version. Yeah, so I think like Steam got that, and, and maybe some other platforms. Yeah, so I played it for like 15 minutes or so, but it was like way too difficult. Uh, I liked how it did have different mechanics and things like that make the levels like replayable, but just really didn't hook me into like playing through it all the way again. He couldn't jump high enough. And I did like Al, like you could charge and explode, but, uh, and he did have the uh, items he could throw as projectiles. Uh, I, I made a note. I, I just didn't think this game ever knew what it wanted to be. Did it want to be Zelda two? Did it want to be Mega Man? Did it want to be all that? I, I can agree one? with that. It definitely felt like a, an attempt to grab bag at a bunch of NES 
references and mechanics without sitting down and going, but what are we making? Yeah. Does it make sense to have these things in there? Also, after you complete the main game, they open up the challenges, and there's like 30 or so challenges. I know they did this with a couple of the new Mega Man game releases, like Mega Man 9 or 10, uh, or might have been another release on one of the consoles. But the thing that I didn't like, the challenges were so difficult just to complete. I think I finished one of the challenges, like defeat uh, King Knight or whatever his name was. Defeat him again. But you only can take two hits and you die. So it's like so different. And they put a time limit on there. <laughs> so it's like you only get two hits and you have a time limit. So if I was to like redesign those challenges, I would have made them a little bit easier, but made it so that you could keep replaying them to get a better time to try to beat your best time or give medals. Like one, for- two or three star them. Exactly. Instead of just making it so difficult that you just throw your hands up. It's like, yeah, I don't even do that. But it did add a little bit more playability to the game. So not a horrible thing. Uh, so my other thing is like, oh yeah, uh, I think we've had enough pixel art games. Let's just move on. Let's get out of the eighties. <laughs> oh, to be fair to this one, like it came out a while ago yeah. so, and it was kickstarted, uh, on top of that in development. So it's, it's not a Johnny come lately to this, yeah. uh, for that, but yeah, definitely. It's like, we don't make black and white movies anymore. We don't make SD just, I mean, there are, I still do like 2d games. Like I mentioned earlier, I like Odin sphere. Great. Like. 2D art, but it's not like in that retro style. So yeah, that's all the notes. All right, you want me to go, or you want to jump in? I guess I'll go because I think it sounded like you had a lot. I do have a lot. Um, I didn't actually write down any notes. Um, I ended up streaming it with John, so we were switching back and forth on his Twitch channel, um, which I think probably made it a little easier on. Like there were moments of just. Complete frustration. Well, you can just hand the controller off. But yeah, and just like, here. Like yeah. you've got a few moments there at least to kind of. And, and like I said, as, as we went on and as we got, you know, like bought all the items and stuff, gold became less important. Like okay, fine, you know, we're gonna drop gold. We're just gonna ignore it. It's not as important as finish. Um. I do agree with what you guys are saying that it kind of seems pulled from a lot of different sources and maybe they didn't think it through. I actually kind of appreciated that once because, you know, I remember starting off, it was like, okay, you know, we can use the shovel in a down attack. Well, yeah, this is like, you know, Zelda 2. It's not like Duck. I actually have a discussion on stream. And... In a way, I kind of liked it because a lot of things that are retro will pick one thing that's iconic and do it. Whereas this went out and said, okay, well, we like the boss battles for Mega Man, but we also like the Super Mario 3 map. And, you know, it maybe didn't put as much thought into how it combined those things, but it wasn't just like, look at us, we're retro. Remember these things? Um, I did, I do remember several of the levels having like introducing interesting mechanics and I completely forgot about the fake platforms and the light (laughs) darkness levels. Um, but even, even like the, the, the lightnings, uh, effects impressed me because you had to think about negative space. They were putting in all of these mechanics that, um, 
wasn't just like you know your basic you know platforming mechanics. The problem with the lightning stage wasn't the mechanic; it's that they introduce that to you, yeah, and then add enemies and then add enemies that throw projectiles and yes. then add false bottoms and it's just like yeah this is all on the first screen of hey this lighting mechanic is going to be a thing yeah i remember like another puzzle in the game is like where the ground raises and lowers i think it's on the last castle and if you like stand there for too long you're going to get crushed so you've got to find like the little alcoves areas in there but at the end they add spikes and then they add a block that you got to break and it's just like yeah. This was fun in Super Mario World. I, I know the exact puzzle was pulled from Super Mario World or close enough to it. But when you add all these additional things to it, it makes it not fun. There's yeah. a lot of that. I'll have some points on that too of just you guys just went overboard on the number of things happening at once. Um, yes. I do think that was what a lot of the difficulty was. But in a lot of cases when they added mechanics, there were a few cases where I remember them doing a good job of teaching it. Like there was one, I cannot remember which stage it was, where you had these pits full of lava, but like a little green block would drop down. And if you shot it into the lava with your shovel, it would become like slime that you could bounce, bounce on. off of. Yeah. yeah and yeah. It, it, it was interesting because, you know, you first saw here's a pit that can kill you. Here's a green blob dropping into the pit. And oh, I can jump on it. And then, it added new mechanics. So it, it does definitely most cases, have like, it has this weird bipolar tendency of I'm introducing you to the mechanics. Naturally you're getting to ex- play with each new layer. And then they, they, they become a composition by the end. Yes. And then here's 17 new things all at once. Go. Yes. You know? And I mean, it's just, it was ridiculous uh, on some of the, the things that were like, uh, I know one point that frustrated me really much was toward the end. Um, there was a sequence where you had moving platforms and everything. I got it written down and I can um, call it out. But one thing is you had to dig up. And never in the game had we had a point where digging up was a thing. And so I kind of... How did you even do that? That's the story. It's like I have to have the moment to figure out like what's the patterns I'm even looking for? And it is breaking blocks from the side to create a staircase to find another part okay. where you can do all that. I've played an NES game. I remember playing an NES up. game. You can't like actually that. just dig up. You have to dig side or down. And so it's like, well, I died here because I, you know, wasn't even thinking to try to dig up because that's never been a thing. I was expecting like something to open or platform to jump to the side that just got squished. And I'm like, what was I supposed to have done? That goes back to my other point about taking the most frustrating things about old NES games. The forced scrolling. I never liked it yeah. in Super Mario World or Super Mario 3. It's like, if you're not fast enough while yeah. scrolling up, then you die. Oh, Super Mario Brothers. Forced scrolling with the cheap cheeps jumping out at you. Oh, yeah. Yep. The, yeah. I hate that. I don't play it. I don't play it. I'm going to skip it. Skip that level. That's like kind of like Kid Icarus. It's like, yeah, you keep going up. I don't think it was forced scrolling, but once you get well, to the Kid point... Kid Icarus forced scrolled just very, very slowly. In the later levels. I was think. it just in the later yeah. levels? Okay. Like, but on the first level, it's like, oh, if there's a block here, then you can jump on it. Oh, but if it's off screen, now you just jumped into a bottomless um, pit. Yeah. Even though there's supposed to be a block there off screen. Um, I should have written. We were streaming. Um, overall, I mean, kind of liked it. I didn't see any huge like game design choices out of it. It was more... It's picking mechanics from other places, trying to fit them together. Um, and the, the D 
different boss levels, the different themed boss levels did, did that. Um, I think one thing I did like that we mentioned before was the special levels that focused on a particular item. Because I know later in the game, we relied really heavily on like the phase shifting that made you invincible. And so it really helped us to go through the stage that focused on that. So you could, you know, get across spikes. So it, it kind of gave you an incentive to learn how to, to do. Yeah. I think they just should have gave you that item after you beat the boss. Then I would have yeah. made that connection. I was like, Oh, this is the item. They, for this stage. Yeah. See, I'm wondering if that phase shift one that you're talking about that spike level. Cause you, did you get the uh, platform, the rolling platform um, item? So there was like a platform no. with a wheel that you could drop down and roll on top to spikes. No, but this was like the that, first special level you got. I think that one was intended, because I think I got phase shifting last, um, and I'd gotten that rolling platform. I think these were in, because I don't remember that, so it may be, and I know this was one of the earlier levels. a very Mega Man type thing. Of, yeah. You, like you, Mega Man, you drop down and jump on the little... Um, hoverboard or whatever like that was like this it jumped down it was a wheel and it rolled across uh any terrain and you could just stand on it we may have because i do remember one point i was like oh that's rush yeah you know like it's exactly um i do think that was a good like having the special stages was interesting because i would never have spent time learning how to use the glove except there's a whole stage that's built around yeah. Then you get to learn the fun of trying to hold up and press X while also air maneuver around because that's yes. the stage that yes. was yes. just accidentally casting that thing all over the place. That was on one of the optional stages, yeah. right? I remember playing that for like 30 minutes, like two in the morning. I was and like, I th- okay, forget it. I'm I done. think that <laughs> stage also has the moments where um, you have to jump in air to stop your shovel going down. So, like, you yeah. use your shovel down to break some blocks, then jump to stop breaking the blocks because there's pits or spikes, because there's pits and spikes below everything, to, to stop you from breaking all the way through. And I think that was, like, toward the end of that stage. So you were, like, dashing and falling and stopping yourself from falling. It was just, it was insane. Uh, anyway, that, that's pretty much all I got. I'm trying to all think right, of things. I'm going to try to skip through um, some things that we've already said, but um, overall... I did appreciate there was a retro aesthetic that had some sensible updates, specifically like it was 16 by 9. I wasn't trying to do 4 by 3. The music was close to the NES without the actual NES limitations of numbers of channels, and like it didn't duck out any music to play a sound effect, for example. Um, but it very much felt like, okay, you guys used a square, a triangle, and a sine wave to compose all the instruments. You don't have two sine waves going on at once because you don't get that on the NES. And then you have sort of a noise channel that's doing a lot of the other sound effects. So I could appreciate that uh, restrictions. The game was actually made in tiled. Um, in the credits, it huh. said uh, made with tiled. Uh, so the tiled map editor. I thought that was cool. Um, my stats, I wrote them down because they, they show them up at the end. So I collected 122-something thousand gold. Lost 32,000, which shocked me. Uh, that's about 36, 26%. Because there was points, I, like, I don't care. Don't show me any gold. Don't show me a total. I don't care about your gold anymore. I've given up caring. And I was surprised <laughs> that it was that low, 20%, 25, um, a quarter of my gold. Uh, 175 deaths and 8 hours and 30 minutes was my playtime. I'm pretty sure 
uh, because the ending sequence kicks you out. I'm pretty sure I did all the extra areas, but there might have been one I was planning on going back to, and I just thought like the game would have let me roam the map and go back to it because it's to 2016. Um, I'm wondering if there are alternate endings if you do it like in a great amount of time, low amount of time. No, I hope not. Yeah. I well, at least it wasn't like Axiom Verge where they leave you on some cliffhanger unless you get the best possible t- scores. Um, so um, the level and enemy design, I, I had trouble organizing my thoughts. So I tried to come up with something, but this is mostly level and everything. Um, we talked about this. The, the intro in the tutorial is not unlike Mega Man X. Um, you even open with the mini boss. You even like get into the mini boss with that the is snake true. Bed, you know, because I remember fighting him later and going, "Wow, he seems easier now that we have items." And like, oh, yeah, exactly. Like you're doing the thing. Um, so uh, level one has a a very good place chest that you can see. Um, from a hidden path in the prior screen. Basically, like, there's hidden paths. Like, here's his chest. How do you get to it? Go back down, hit the wall, then you find the ladder, go up. Um, sheet music, for me, was a good reason to learn the inventory screen, because I picked up some sheet music, and I'm like, what did I pick up? Let me start hitting buttons and go to the menu screen and figure out the inventory to find the items and all that. It's like, so I never needed an explicit tutorial for the menu. Just, you gave me an item, I didn't know what it was, so I, at that moment, I'm interested in learning the menu system. Um, so I thought that was good. I like the uh, bring back the wall chicken, but they also put it right before the boss fight, and they put a checkpoint right at the boss fight. So it's like you got the Castlevania wall chicken, and you get the Mega Man checkpoint always before a boss fight, and I love that. I thought that was really, really good. That's Overall, another problem that I had with the game, is like sometimes I would go into a boss fight with like no magic at all, and I would need a little bit of magic to do my fireball or whatever. You didn't refill your magic. It's like, yeah, I just need to die and then come back in. And it isn't like Mega Man where you have limited lives and Mega Man is like, well, I better try because this is one of my lives. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Overall, like I started this game and there was a mate. Like the first three hours, I loved this game. I like genuinely was winning this game. And it's the back five hours that made me hate this game. You know, so a lot of my notes are going to start off and like, oh, this is amazing. This was great. This is wonderful. And I loved it. And then, ah, uh, there was a great humor moment I felt in the game because uh, it was in the first stage and I come up to a room and there's a skeleton on a ledge. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to deal with this edge, Lord. Um, you know, on, on literally walking to the edge. And the skeleton just walked off. Like in the moment I had to sit there, it just walked off and fell down the pit. And I'm like, I found that hilarious. And I'm, there are, all the other points, it seems like they stay on their ledges. They don't walk off a ledge. Um, and so I got to hope that that was like a coded moment of like, just let it walk off the edge. Um, and I don't know if it was intended, but I found it funny. Uh, we talked about the blackout enough. I'm not going to use that. Uh, I was not keen on the high use of mimics that they, they did. Not explicitly like chests that eat you, but. Hidden paths with bombs in the wall. Oh, oh this is yeah. uh, Turkey. It's got a bomb behind it. Uh-huh. <laughs> here, here's a dirt mound to dig up. Oh, there's a creature hidden in it. And that just got really excessive um, and was kind of frustrating. Because you see that, especially if you're in a situation where like, oh, I uh, really need I'm not going to use my healing item, um, which you never found. But I'm not going to use my healing item because I just found... Um, the uh you know amount i can dig up and there's sometimes health in that and then oh no i got died because haha you know and it's just like there was no way 
So here's, here's point one where I'm going to compare it to Souls. But there was no way to identify that it was a mimic. And in the Souls games of chess, you can know it's a mimic if you know what to look for. You know? Um, the mimics in Dark Souls breathe, actually. So if you just watch the chest, the lid slowly opens and closes because it's breathing. So you can know, once you know look for it, that's a mimic. Okay. There's no way to know that when I dig this secret path in the wall, I'm going to be standing on top of a bomb. By the way, the bombs look like the gold anyway, so I don't even realize I'm standing on top of a bomb in front of me until it blows up. Um, so I wasn't keen on that. Um, talked about the boss fights. Uh, I was able to use those red and magic green balls to destroy almost all of them. Uh, so my entire thing was um, just to get to the end and not use the health and magic refill. So there was an item in the game that you missed that fully filled your health and magic. Oh, was that the it, cup or is that something else? The Ikor, it was the red. Okay, yeah. It made the other two options you could put in that cup useless. You yeah. could get like a few seconds of invulnerability or I don't even know what the other one was, but it's like... You could pull all items to yeah, you Yeah, you could something. collect items yeah. to you or something. Because I remember picking that up, like you, there were some places where you could, oh, you could fishing. use the fishing. And yeah. I was like, why would I want that? I would never want this item. Like this item is terrible. Um, I give me the item that gives me all of my health and all of my magic back because if you had that, if you had two instances of that, you beat the boss. You know, like you can unload all magic, bounce on his head a bunch, uh, charge and swing with abandon. Don't even care. Just charge and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing. Heal magic, unload all the magic, charge and swing and then many times I didn't even need the other one. So, um, most of the boss fights unfortunately got trivialized. Um, through that tactic for me. And a couple were just cheesed. Like the um, the the Reaper Knight, or I don't know what he's called. The one that like appears in different spots of the screen. Yeah. And around. You can just bounce on his head. You yeah. just sit there and bounce on his head while he's waiting for his little scythe to come back. It's tricky. So you have to learn damage. his pattern. To- Not really. Because the first hit will launch you above him, and you just start yeah. bouncing. So, um, I like the Tinker Knight Ball Spider. I talked about that one. Talk about can't replay from a checkpoint. Um, the hidden vendors, initially, it was like, what if I miss this hidden vendor? Do I miss the item? It turned out later that no, you don't. But I didn't like it because it sort of created a stress moment the first time. of like, what if I don't buy the item right now? Oh, I'm yeah. not really yes. interested in the item. The item doesn't sound that great, but I don't I'm not going to be back here. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that's important is like, from talking, it's obvious that Levi and I did not pick up on what that whole system was. And I guess I understand why you, like, you add the gold because that's an experience system, but you're also muddling it with the Mega Man weapon system. Yeah. Plus, the vendors were pretty difficult to find in the regular levels. I remember the first one was behind the door. Second one is like really hard to get to. I don't think I ever found another vendor after yeah, that. Yeah, I only think yeah. I actually encountered like maybe three of them, and the rest of it I just picked up after beating the level. Um, no one likes underwater levels. <laughs> stop it. Just, just stop it. I'd okay? like underwater levels. I don't oh, like yeah. it underwater levels with instant death spikes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, like I like underwater in Super Mario. I never cared for Bubble Man stage. Bubble Man stage is one of the worst, but it's not that long. Yeah. This is a lot longer. Um, so uh, we talked about stop caring about the gold million levels and just farm the first level for gold. Um, <clears throat> by the way, that, that there was a dragon thing that you bounced on his head or whatever to kill him in the first level. That is over a pit. Yes. So you can lose a lot of gold because it just happened to yes. fall down the pit. 
That's yes. garbage. Or my problem was you'd bounce on the dragon's head and he'd be over the pit. So the last and hit, and then you would fall through? through the pit. Yeah, I did that. I got once. close to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so um, the auto scrolling in levels, and then there's enemies with projectile is more annoying than fun. Um, the movement speed of the player is slow, and it feels like there are stages that are built around the fact that you're slow, specifically like the scrolling. And that feels cheap and exploitative, you know. Um, and a counterexample to this is I actually went back and rewatched Sequelitis because I was like, I feel like you watched Sequelitis, but didn't quite get everything that's in that video with the Mega Man Sequelitis, the first one. And a point in that thing is that Mega Man is not put into situations that he's not equipped for. And an example to use is like in the first Mega Man, Electric Man stage, deals with a lot of vertical climbing. And Mega Man sucks at vertical climbing because once you get hit, you can't grab the ladder while you're flashing. You lose two, three screens of progress. Maybe you land on spikes. There's no other vertical climbing Mega Mans for like two and three. Like they just went, yeah. not doing that again. Mega Man can fall with style though. Like going down to Crash Man and Flash Man stages and dodging and everything like that. He can do that. He has great air control falling. He sucks going up, so don't do that because your mechanics don't do that. And it felt like they were happy to have long climbing sequences where you could fall down three screens to spikes, you yeah. know? They were happy to have four scrolling sections where I can't move that fast to get enough buffer between me. And so I, uh, that was a thing. It just felt cheap is where it came off. It felt I was dying more from gimmick than from lack of skill. Um, we, we've mentioned it so many times, but it just felt like most of the later stage became nothing but spike and pit traps. And why do I even have health? Why do I even have a health bar? Because I've never died by health running out. You know, that's like the not the final final boss, but the one before that, before she mutates and everything. It's like there, she like does her magical attack and then like takes half of the blocks away. It's like there's no way for me to like yeah by skill to avoid falling in this pit. It's more like luck. It is. Yeah. It is. That was a total, like, I just unloaded all magic as fast as I could on that fight and bounced on his as fast as I could, just hoped. And then I got to the point where the floor started going away. I stood in the corner and took the damage and just kept casting spells and then refilled everything and then cast spells and refilled everything and cast spells. So, um, but definitely when we were doing the boss rush, that one sucked because depending on the order it came in, I could have blown a really good run because, oh, this is this highly random one that hopefully I'm not over a floor when she decides to make it disappear because who knows. Um, the, um, the thing is, I really think that the spike should have not insta-killed you. Maybe they can take a full hit of life or even two hearts. That could be really hard, but then left you in a moment to jump off yeah. of them. And I think most of my complaints would go away. And they weren't even... The um, spikes of Mega Man and Ninja Gaiden in the old days. Because in the old days, you actually had a few pixels of grace. You could actually be within a few pixels touching the spikes. Like your collision level. Like just run like Metroid or Mega Man into a wall. And you'll see what I'm talking about where their actual collision is a little bit inset. And it's not on the edge. Yes. Whereas the spikes collided pixel perfect. And so the feeling I have as a player is I didn't screw up. Your spike hitboxes are garbage, you know? Um, 
So I, I felt like they really should have made those um, forgiving. And the difficulty spike is, again, out of nowhere. Like, the, yeah. the opening stages aren't like, hey, get ready for Super Meat Boy. That's what this game is. It's like, no, it's three hours in. Actually, the I remember the first battle being a little bit tough. Like, you kind of have to get a handle on how to fight this guy. But, yeah, like, the at least the, the lead-up to it is really, really simple and kind of walks you through things. Um, there were a couple places where you could see the checkpoint and there was a new mechanic of a moving platform or something going on. I didn't write down explicitly an example, and I wish I did, but it's like, there's a checkpoint. Oh, this can happen, so I'm dead. And I got to replay the whole thing. Yeah. And that was just, a, a, that's poor form. That's poor form uh, to do something like that. Uh, there's no real way you have to deal with the shield enemies. Like, they never give you a decent method of these shield guys, which are everywhere. Oh, yeah, because if you like, attack them from above, Yeah, like, they I can, like, up. they lift up. Like, I, I just ran past them. I just stopped caring. I did kind of want those guys to be, like, Iron Knuckles in Zelda 2, yes. where, like, you, the way you fight them is you jump. You, you have to do, like, you'd a like jump do a attack. jump combo, but there didn't seem to be anywhere I found that you could get yeah. that timing down, and you couldn't charge up uh, the shovel and knock their shield away or, or do anything like that. I, I almost got the feeling in some cases that like the idea was, oh, you can jump off of them or something. This is part of like There was of- a few bonus areas that involved that. There was a few, like, you're going to have to bounce off of, a, of a, an enemy to get to the, the, the bonus area. Um, let's see. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the Hall of Champions um, already. I loved it. Um, the punch dash, the controls with the D-pad, we talked about that one. The overkill of mechanics. So here it is. I wrote down one stage is force scrolling and flying enemies and conveyor belts and retracting walls and moving platforms and the slowdown zones that slow down your movement. Okay? It's, come on. All right, let's dial this down or two. Pick two of the three. All right, let's, let's like, you know, two out of seven or whatever. And do something interesting with that rather than throw everything at me at once. Um, and most mechanics, uh, 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 flip side of this, most mechanics got used once and not really explored. Um, like the uh, airship stage with the wind shifting gravity, basically. Yeah. Got used for two screens and was done. And I'm like, you could have done a lot more with that in the level design and gotten rid of all these, like, conglomerated, you know, scenes I'm complaining about. To be fair, that's one of those Mega Man things, though, like, you know... The Mega Man builds a whole stage around it, though. They do, they build a whole stage around it, but you still, like, see this, it's typically, like, quick man beams, that's one stage, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Theirs was one checkpoint on many mechanics, you know? Um... Oh, where was I? I lost my place. Oh, here we go. Uh, the final stage of the game, I just felt, felt it was like a worst of collection of all the prior stages. I was like, you just took the part I hated the worst and just made me run through that gauntlet. Um, I found out that you can die falling down a ladder. Wow. Ladders are pits. Huh. So there was like, I'm just trying to go backtrack and I'm frustrated because um, I'm playing the same area and I go here and like jump off the ladder because it's just down. Nope, I'm dead. I am dead. That's a it's a pit unless you climb down it. Wow. And I'm like, I don't even think Mega Man did that. I think yeah, you could I, drop down the ladder ex- Mega Man. I explicitly remember doing that in, if not Mega Man, at least some NES game. Like, this is boring, this is slow, just fall. 
I wonder if that's because of tiled, like they have the map there. Then if you just go outside or if you go below that kill line, even though there's like a ladder there, you go below that kill line, you're instantly dead. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's some sort of game logic where it's like, if you exit the stage one way, do this. If you exit the stage this way. Yeah. Or the screen. The screen, yeah. The ending boss rush, um, you have to do it, all the bosses at once, and... Um, actually, I didn't use my magic on the fight because you can't leave and come back for a checkpoint. And I have no idea if there's going to be another hidden stage or if this is going to be the final fight. So I don't want to give up my refill magic, refill health items. Um, and that really sucked. That was just like a, a collection of like, I should be able to leave a level and come back to the checkpoint I made it to. That way I can like make it past this boss rush and then refill up for the final fight. Um, the final fight and last form of Shield Knight, um, the ending of the game, was the freaking best fight of the game, in my opinion. Like, that was hands down awesome. The way you had to um, um, hide behind Shield Knight's shield for the spray, and then she held her shield up so you could bounce off of her shield to attack the enemy, and the way you had, like, this whole AI co-op thing, like, it was really well done, and I just left the game with the final impression of, why couldn't that be the game? Why couldn't running through with this AI co-op Shield Knight, this is a better game, make this game. Forget this, Shovel Knight, forget this. Let's make Shovel Knight and Shield Knight and they just run through all the levels together. Or maybe like she does a thing independently, so there's a reason for her to be off screen while you go through a bit of level and you come back together for the boss fight. But this whole like, I have no defense, so I have to rely on my AI buddy for defense is like a complete, I don't even think they realize what they have. It's a complete gold flip of the script on Normally, you get annoyed because you have to escort this yes. person that just dies. It's like, no, 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 you're the escort now. The AI is protecting you. So you don't really have to worry about Shield Knight. She has two shields. I don't know if you looked at her art close enough. She has a tiny little like buckler shield and her big giant great shield. Um, she's fine. She's not going to take damage. You're doing the damage, but then you have to run be behind her shield. So it's like she's kind of escorting you. And I just love it. It's the flip of the script. And I loved it. It's great. And then I was just like pissed off. That's the sequel. The That's and then, their sequel. It's, and then like the know. end of the game, I, was just gonna I unlocked mention, Plague Knight. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want Plague Knight. I want Shield Knight. Yeah. To go back to Shield Knight, the one thing that I really liked about that fight was that Shield Knight was very deterministic. I always knew what she was going to do so I could like plan ahead. There was no randomness in what the AI was doing. No, so no. That's and the one thing that I really liked The way she it. positioned her shield just kind of communicated to you like what you should be doing. Like yeah. this is like vault and attack. This is get behind me and and... Your shield is so big, it's hard to miss where she's at and what she's doing. Because it's like, the enemy would attack twice, and it's like, okay, now I know she's going to jump up so I can pogo, so it was, I could prepare in advance. Um, so, comments on mechanics. So this area, this, this stuff I grouped into mechanic. Um, the death system is not unlike the Souls games, right? You, you drop your souls, you drop your gold, and you go back. If you get back to it, you get your stuff back, and nothing has been lost. Um, but they can float in inaccessible places. Which the Souls game, what the Souls game does is when you die, it rewinds your position by 10 seconds, and that's where your souls are. Um, it serves two purposes in the Souls games. One is so you can get back your stuff if you fall into an area that you couldn't get out of. But the second reason is the bloodstain. When people click a bloodstain to see how you died, it starts from that last 10-second clip. Um, but the, the, a key difference between Shovel Knight system and Souls system is that I can always choose when to bank and cash out. 
in the Souls game. I can use a Homeward Bone and go, I have too many souls on me right now. I'm going to go buy the upgrade or get the thing I want because it's stupid to be walking around with this much. And I can't do that. If I leave, I leave all the gold I collected in the level. So that whole mechanic sort of loses a lot of the risk-reward design that the Souls game puts to it because I can't manage the risk. I just collect a reward at the end, so it might as well just be a random bonus score like Mega Man used to do where he used to be like, you will get random X amount of points for beating this boss. Although points didn't matter in Mega Man. I don't know anybody ever cared, but... And that's um, why it wasn't there in Mega Man 2. Was it not there in Mega Man 2? Nope. Okay, it, it go out that quick. I knew Man. it went out, but I didn't realize it went out that quick. Um, I, I, I said this at the front, but the Bard made the good... The Bard made collectibles interesting to me, and I thought that was a well-done system. Um, I like that the mini town, the town's mini game, um, allowed you to practice your ability a little bit and the timing of the delay of the shovel and get gold. So you could like, I'm just a few short. The problem is it didn't scale when the prices went up. So it's like, I'm 2000 short. And right now 2000 is not even a checkpoint for me, but this game is only going to give me a couple hundred. So I'm going to go back and grind one. I wish it would have scaled to a point and just known like, Okay, so you can up the stakes now. You can now, you can wager more to get back more, or whatever. Um, the shuffle hitbox is very small, has a delay in startup. Um, I never used it. I just used a dive attack everywhere. Like, the actual regular attack didn't seem... Unless it was a boss, and I was just spamming it and just healing through yeah. the attacks. See, typically um, I would do the pogo twice, then by that time I would be powered up, and then I'd use the one swipe. I didn't even realize that's how that worked because I never stopped pogoing. Yeah. Always be pogoing. Yeah, you kind of like flashed or something, and that gives you two hits instead of one. But typically, I pogoed most of the time. I want to know why um, gold has to disappear after a certain amount of time on screen. Like, what's the reasoning behind that? I mean, in the NES days, you just couldn't have items on screen forever because it would stagger the performance. But it's 2016 yeah. now. That does not have a good gameplay reason. I lost a mini boss worth of gold. A chest. No, I opened a chest. And I wanted to take a note about the chest. So I wrote the note down about the chest, looked back up, and everything's gone. I lost a whole chest. I have seen that in a lot of platformers, though. So, I mean, I don't necessarily... Oh, that's a thing that a lot of power-ups do. Because, I mean, a lot of times you'd have, like, gold get scattered, but it's like, I need to take this enemy down to make it safe to go collect it. Well, now it's gone. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't get it. Um, I didn't know I could reflect projectiles with the shovels until I was two hours into the game. Oh, neither one of you even knew this. Uh, I know you could like hit the I only knew this by looking at the, um, uh, achievements, the feats. Um, and there was one for defeating, um, Black Knight with his own attack. Like, Uh, defeat Black Knight by hitting his, his attack into him. I'm like, what? I can reflect an attack? That would have been helpful. <laughs> that, yeah, that may have been why... Because Black Knight's the first guy you fight. He's the first right? guy you fight. That might have been why I had so much trouble with him. I beat him without knowing it. I wasn't until I went back later and got that yeah. feat because I was replaying the first level over and over again. Um, it was really convoluted control... So you didn't get to experience this, but it's really convoluted controls to use an icor in combat. You basically yeah. have to hit the menu, choose the item cast the ichor so you had to up an x to use it then that left an ic- empty ichor uh ichor on your equipped item so then you had to shift back to whatever you wanted to do it but you could not spell select bumpers back and forth an ichor 
yeah, an icor, um, to 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 use. So, so it's kind of like the bottles in Legend of Zelda. You you always yeah. have the bottle, but to refill it, you got to go is exactly meet somebody. What it is. Or and it's like okay, if I had an NES gamepad, sure. I don't anymore. I have a Xbox gamepad. There's a lot of buttons you're not using on this thing. Please use them. Um, I talked about how they were overpowered. Um, the, the, the refill all health and magic basically made the rest useless. Um, the utility spells, phase, punch, dash, were too short. They didn't last long enough for me. Like, phase, I'd find useful because they didn't last long enough. Um... And so I just never used those. And they were just bonus stages only. Like only if the bonus stage required me to use it to get through it, then I used it. Um, so there was a lot of spells and things that just didn't find useful at all. None of the upgrades I found useful, not even for the shovel. Like uh, that little, like again, like, okay, as soon as I get hit, I can't. And that little projectile only goes on the ground. And that's almost useless. Like I need to shoot because every level is spikes and pits. So like, where is this ground I can shoot over? Um, with this attack, too long to do the power up. Um, There's like one upgrade to like dig a mound in one shovel yeah. instead of three. So that saves me a little bit of time. Saves a little bit of time. I think there was one that broke, or maybe that was the same one, but that broke the blocks in like one hit or yeah. faster. But it was not retroactive to the first stage. I don't know how oh, their really? coding was, but yeah, there was. Um, you couldn't do a wind up attack in the first stage, even if you had unlocked it. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that was like a weird glitch oversight or if that was actually like. That's going to get the player into a game-breaking bug area, so we're just going to take it away because it wasn't designed to have that. Mm. Um, so um, to finish out here, I got some comments on the narrative. Um, first of all, I just want to give a thumbs up, developers, for no broken English bad translation puns. Like, thank you for not carrying that meme into yet another game. Um, See, so it was Yacht Club's game. Yacht Club something? games. Yeah, yeah the developers. Give them a mentioned there <laughs> yeah um humor like order of no quarter that i found hilarious um the dance numbers the frog puns like i talked to all everybody in the town um uh, not all at once i did spend the first time talking to a lot of people but then it just came back I'm like, okay let me not wear this out i'm coming back to town a lot so then i would just spend a good 15 minutes in town just talking to everyone's dialogue and i found most of the humor uh, most of the writing humorous and well written i really think it was really good um, except there's a couple characters, like the, um, the female characters that were just there nonstop hitting on you. And there's one that's like, oh, rather you be my queen and I'd rather, you know, all that. And I think that felt a little gross after a while. Like, come on, man. And also I'm taken, apparently. It's like, there's this. That is true. In fact, that's thing. the whole point of the quest. Yeah, exactly. So, um, didn't, didn't really care for that. It just felt kind of gross because it was well overdone. It wasn't just once. It was a whole bunch. Um. But no, no, that's that's to reinforce how great you are. Uh, the uh, Dark Knight, the the first Knight, Black Knight, or whoever he was. I like that he laughed at you in the fight, because nothing pissed me off more than he's like laughing at me. I thought you know? it was cute the first time, but after I had it, it's like, please don't laugh. <laughs> I thought it was a nice touch because it actually like made me actively hate this character, who turns out to kind of be a sort of an ally. So I, it was that was neat. Um. I like the dream scenes um, where you, you have to catch Shovel Knight. What triggers that? Because it didn't happen every time. It didn't happen every time, and I don't think it's supposed to. Uh, the developers made some comment of that was just a, a way of creating. They spent a lot of time, and I'm going to tell you about how they failed, 
But they spent a lot of time trying to build a connection to Shield Knight, and that was one of the things that they introduced in like a mother style way. Yeah. Um, but I. So here's the thing: I caught her every single cutscene, and missed her at the final uh, fight. So I don't even know what happens if you missed her. What? I guess nothing. Oh. Okay. Um. Uh, I'll get to it in a minute. But um, I don't know if there might have been something special happening at the end if I had caught every single one, including the last one. But I did it for the worst reasons. I did it for greed. Like, um, they did this slowdown thing. Like, Mega Man slowed down because there was too many things at the end of a screen when you build, beat a boss. It yeah. wasn't a design choice, guys. I they thought it did was... it in a boss fight as a design aesthetic. And so I was timing how fast she was falling let me grab the treasure that's sitting over here. Let me, oh, I'm, I can't move now because we're slowing the screen down and it's too late. They did that in the dream sequences, but I thought it was because it was a dream sequence. Yeah, because sequence, it was a dream not, sequence. Yeah, yeah. So. And they may have just been echoing that. Um, I thought the chest animation, opening a chest was kind of hilarious and a nice, like, not being the same old, da-da-da, hold it above your head, or like, look at chest. Like him actually, like, diving into it, rummaging through everything. I thought that was cute. I like that. Um, I thought the feats were a good cross-platform way to name achievements and have them... They also narratively fit in the game. A knight would have feats of greatness, you know? So I thought, you know, achievements are... They have their good and bad about them. And I thought this is a good way to do them and put them in the game so that they're not as gross as, like, an external gamer score type system. Yeah, because I remember with, like, Xbox Live indie games, like, Microsoft was very picky. It's like, you cannot name your feats achievements. achievements you yes. call them awards. I don't know if they allowed trophies or not, but it's like, you can't use the word to, you can't have achievements. Um, so, I really hoped for, from the start of the game, because she is Shield Knight, that we were going to have an inversion of the damsel in distress trope, and no, not in the slightest did we do anything with this that we could have done. Uh, I was really disappointed by that because I felt like the game was like, no, no, it's Shield Knight, and they fought together, and it's not just going to be rescue the princess. She reminds me of the princess. Um, I already talked about the uh, never give up on you except the time that I totally gave up on you and became a hermit farmer. Um, Shield Knight was fridged at the beginning of the game, thawed, taking out, and put back in the fridge at the end of the game. Um, now, it does appear she's alive because at the very final end of the cutscene with you by the campfire, she came out and laid down beside you. So... Yeah. I'm guessing she's alive, but then again, that, that has been dream sequence setting so many times. It's like, oh, maybe she did die. Because the ending of the game, uh, that's just okay, yeah, play. It's the ending of the game, um, you fight a possessed shield knight, break her of that, then you fight the true enchantress, okay, of uh, the f- true form, and that's when you fight with shield knight, and then at the very end, she's like shielding you from the massive explosion of all the enchantress powers, and you get knocked out, and then Black Knight shows up because uh, he starts at the beginning of the tower too. Of like, I don't want to have to kill you, man, but you're like, but you know what I'm here to do. And that's the point where you start to realize I'm going to fight Shield Knight. That's what's going on here, you know. Um, and then he shows you're up. Fighting and all Shield the other Knight of the is order. like, take him away from here, please. And like, oh, but you know, you can't get out. And they're like, please, they, like, I can't protect him. Take him out. And then so he takes so the guy you fight to be in the game. 
takes you out and sets you down at the campfire and says something like, you know, we'll see each other again one day and walks out. And then the music and the credits stop and then Shield Knight comes out and lays down next to you. But I don't know if that was a dream or if that was real. Um, by the way, I used the term fridged and I think I've explained it on the podcast. Fridge comes from a comic book. Um, there was a superhero team, like a husband and wife superhero team. They have runs and runs. I forget the name of the comic. Runs and runs of the comic, seasons of the comic, okay? Where they're out kicking butt, taking name. And then they reboot the comic and they want to make it edgy. So they kill off his wife, right? And they literally put her in the refrigerator. Cut, the villain cuts up her body, puts her in the refrigerator. And the problem with the, the fridge and where the trope comes from is it treats the female character as a prop for the male character's dark and gritty backstory and right. doesn't have agency of her own. And in this case, it's really egregious because she was a superhero. I was going to say, and I guess it need not be like, this would be like John Wick or whatever, where uh, they killed my dog. I've not seen it. I know, you know. It's I'm just thinking of like Han Solo being put in carbonite. It's like, hey, we just need him out of the story for a little while. Except more brutal. Yeah. yeah. Except like, um, he doesn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> so so the term fridged is like the trope. If you look up fridged or women in fridge on like TV tropes or something like that, it's the character dies at the beginning of the story for the background of the, the normally male character. character. Normally it's a wife or a daughter. It's the Punisher, man. Like, the yeah. Punisher is the definition of the It's fridge. the thing that breaks him. They killed my family, so now I'm going to kill every criminal so, and then kill myself. That's the Punisher. Out of curiosity, and I guess this is just literally for my curiosity, why are all the knights, including, I'm assuming, Shield Knight, trying to keep Shovel Knight away from the tower? They've all allied themselves with the Enchantress. They've all, like, their order of no quarter. They're all, like... No, like, the Enchantress is going to rule the world, and you can join us. They're all, like, there's dialogue several times, like, join us, Shovel Knight. Like, why don't you well, become one of us? Why? Like, so Shield Knight? I don't know. We were a hermit on the farm when okay. the, the elections happened and political parties changed or something. I don't know what happened. We yeah, were a hermit say, on the like, farm. That seems, that seems kind of weird, like, because she kidnaps these people but then they're fighting for her and then i don't know because i'm assuming like the enchantress is like dr wiley and all of yeah. the knights are like the robots and didn't like dr wiley originally develop the robots or was that dr light and they I all think went, dr hey, light maybe dr light developed them and wiley, wiley programs yeah, them yeah, yeah. Um, and we do that for at least nine games plus spin-offs <laughs> like do we never well yeah and then you get into x which introduces a whole new level Lore. Um, so, okay, so I was kind of a little disappointed on how they treated it. I was like, really, I like, I don't want to play Plague Knight. I want to play Shield Knight or, um, you know, go through the game. Plague Knight just seems to be a random character there. It right? does. It just seems really random. Like, yeah. uh, just a random boss, I thought. Okay. Um, not even a memorable one to me either, yeah. you know? Um, I did do some digging and, um, uh, the Wikipedia page talked about that Shield Knight actually, she was a princess. Like the original design of the game, you were saving the princess, and they even went halfway into development, and she didn't have a name. They just called her Princess MacGuffin, <laughs> right, by the dev team. Um, That's a little And then the they decided, and, and the, the articles are written like, and then we had the epiphany of making her a meaningful character, and we're going to make her a knight to have a stronger connection, and quote, wouldn't just be an object, but a meaningful loved one. No, you totally failed on that. Oh, it counts. Like, there's no connection to Shield Knight that developed throughout the game. It's Princess MacGuffin still. 
Um, so, um, they actually too wanted uh her to die at the end. So I guess this confirms she didn't. And the last scene of the game was Shovel Knight burying the princess with his shovel. That's freaking oh, dark. That is a indie game. Now, I don't know where I would be feeling if they actually pulled that. I, I feel might like, have that, like would a be less, that would be less dark if he wasn't, the shovel wasn't his weapon. If yes, it was like, exactly. This is the thing I have to do instead of, this is the thing I'm actually equipped to do. This is my job. I'm going to bury the princess I couldn't save. At that point, I almost kind of like, if you guys would have pulled that one, even though it might not have been earned or had the emotional impact they were hoping for, it was just, it would have been like, wow, that's dark. It's uh, not just that, response. it's almost dark humor. I felt like that would have been a better, weirder twist on Save the Princess trope, because you didn't, you know, at the end, then this, we're going to make her a knight, even though she's not involved in anything. Well, I, what I read in, in between the lines there is they, you know, because I, what I gather is all the other knights you're fighting are also your former allies. Yes, they are. And I don't think they made that connection. If they could have made that a more meaningful connection where she is also one of these former allies and you are confused by all of this, then it would be like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. There's more of a connection there. She's a member of this order. All of these order meant something to you. And yet what you pick up from playing the game is only she matters. Back to what Levi said uh, a while ago about mechanics and stuff like that, how we just picked and grabbed all these games yeah. and threw their mechanics in. It feels like they picked and grabbed story elements and went like, we want Mega Man bosses. Um, they should be knights. Let's call them the Order of No Quarter. Oh, let's make the Enchantress be our Dr. Wily. Now we got to fit this other thing in. How do we do that? And rather than sitting down and writing their own story and then making the game and the mechanics and stuff reflect and fit yeah. that, might have done it. They actually considered That's- a co-op mode where one person would play Shield Knight. Uh, but, but because they didn't think of Shield Knight as an individual character in the game until well into half the development, it's far too late to even have that in there. Um, so Even I if mean, you take, it, take that out, having because you have all these different knights, you, know, you could um, do that with any other knight. So to me, this is like a really good example of Thinking you've inverted the trope, and actually you're just the trope. You're just saved the princess. You, you didn't do anything special, you know. You you changed some of the names, but a rose by any other name is a damsel in distress. Like that's that's it. That's all we got going on here. Um, and I was really disappointed about it because, like I said, the little bits that you do have with Shield Knight there toward the end, like oh, I just so wanted the game to be that. So. Um, that wraps it up for me. That wraps up, I think, our, our thoughts on Shield Knight. Really good start. I mean, I, the first several hours, I was loving this game. Um, so I don't know that I wouldn't even say pick it up if it's on sale. Um, and, you know, check it out. It's not that long. I mean, eight hours, five hours, somewhere in there, depending on how much extra stuff you do and how much grinding you want to do, um, is where to pick up. But um, we'll just go around the room and, and Levi plugs what's going on. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just plug my website, levidsmith.com. And I did some more development. I revived an old wiki that I had. So it's at levidsmith.com forward slash wiki. And what I found is that's a lot better for like showcasing my games. If you just want to check out the games that I've developed, it's a lot better than like having to read a blog with all these like long blog posts and everything. 
Uh, I've got some of my latest music on SoundCloud. I'm GA Tech Grad on SoundCloud. And also you can always look me up on Twitter at GA Tech Grad as well. Yeah. Uh, DolanWolf.com, DolanWolf on Twitter. Um, next weekend, if since this is going to be up um, this week, next weekend, uh, if you're in the Huntsville, Alabama area, I'm going to be running uh, Analog Gaming for uh, Hamacon at the Von Braun Center. I'll be running a bunch of demos and stuff like that. Uh, different board games, actually like Hanafuda and some traditional Japanese games um let's see what else uh shifty shapes which is my match three game from the last let them dare will probably be up on google play by the time we do the next podcast so for that you do not need to contact us to be listed in your special pay for only google play directory please stop contacting i don't know if you do you get the emails what no oh man is that like that app zoom or whatever Oh, they're like they're not Google Play because it's because Android just wide open. You can install another marketplace. Yeah, so like they're apps for their custom marketplace, and they have listed our games in them. Like One Card Hero, yeah. they just listed it because they can. Um, nothing stopped from listed it, and now they're like sending a thing. I'm like, hey, your listing's about to expire. Oh, I've got. That. I saw that. And yeah, I know what you're talking. Hey, to now. keep on it, and it's like I never asked to be in it to begin with. Yeah. Also. If you don't have the traffic, I don't care. Yeah, like, I will probably end up putting it in the Amazon App Store as well. Why would I put it in? Like, it's not going to be worth my time, especially yeah. that I'm integrating, like, leaderboards and achievements and stuff. No need to contact us on that. Um, is, that is that everything? I'm cut you yes, off. that okay. is everything. Uh, I'm Vinyl, V-I-N-U-L-L, everywhere, YouTube, Twitter, com, all those things. Um... I have cleaned up my channel. I went through and deleted all the Let's Plays out of my channel. Um, so I'm just going to have, if you go to my channel, it'll be like the Game Design Podcast or any videos I choose to do uh, just talking about individual game. So a much slower rate of content and they'll highlight more of like tutorials and things like that. Um, all the Let's Play stuff that I did and everything like that has, has been moved. That is, these are video games um, channel, which we have a website for that to set up, but there's nothing going on on the website just yet. I haven't, right now we're just, finding our rhythm of recording and, and uploading. Uh, but don't go there expecting conversation on the game design elements. That may happen once every 18 episodes, but, you know, tacos. Like, that may be the conversation that we're having. Um, and I'm, it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, John, we've mentioned John's name a lot. Uh, John's the one I'm doing this with, and we're hitting the point now of realizing we have to put effort into entertaining conversations. Like yes, we've gone through is... sort of like there's a couple of hours you just have with a friend when you see it, you can just catch up on and go, dude, now it's like we actually have to start coming up with these things. And that's a good thing. It's like a, a good personal growth challenge of, um, you know, I told him, I said, like, I'm considering taking some improv classes because that's what this is. This is improv. It's not like stage improv, but it's still, you know, coming up with an idea and riffing on it and doing all that live. Um, that's why I don't stream. And doing lot. that while you play a video game is not easy. It's easy no. to get obsessed with the video game um, and into it. But um, so the games we played on there, John's playing Dark Souls. I played Bandetta 2. That should wrap up in a week or so. And then you'll start seeing my um, Shadow of the Colossus playthrough. 
um, <clears throat> which won't be that long because that game's not that long. So um, you can always find the group at knoxgamedesign.org. Once again, we will be at the uh, Makerpalooza this weekend, the 18th, uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Strawberry Plains Pellissippi Campus. Uh, along with many, many other, like the Knox Makers, Makerspace will be out there. Um, there'll be a whole bunch of other. And I talked to there's another game uh, developer who came to our group today. First time, he's going to be out there as well. So there's going to be a lot to do there. Um, it's a free event, so you don't have to pay to get a ticket. And you just come out and just see all these different groups and creative things going on. I'm looking forward to seeing what other groups are happening in our community. We'll be out there. Um, podcast, we're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. We're on the new Android Google Play podcast store uh, as well. So if you're listening to one of these, but you're like, oh, that's a more convenient format, then you know we're, we're out there. As well as you can grab from the website a direct RSS feed if you still have the thing called a newsreader uh, and you just want to play it there. Or play it directly from the website. Um, You've probably figured this out by now. Uh, you figured at least one of these out. Yes. Maybe you didn't know about the others, uh, depending on how you found us. Especially if you find us on YouTube. You may not realize it's also available on iTunes. Play. Um, so that's it. Uh, everybody, next episode, I guess. Oh, our game will be Franbo. There you go. So find Franbo, buy it, play it, and then you can participate, play the home game along with us. We're out. Thanks. Oh, uh...